0: Pray with me. Father, we bow in your presence. May your word be our rule. Your spirit, our teacher, and your greater glory, our supreme concern. All this we ask in the strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, a quick note. I wanted to say thank you to those who, of you who have prayed for me in the beginning of service. I'm feeling and doing much better. Thank you all for your prayers, and for your faithfulness. Thank you all for coming out uh, this morning. Um, you know, I've been married uh, about about two and a half years. And uh, typically, when I say that, I get a bunch of oohs and ahs, as if I'm newly married, right? And and I, and I think it's been it's been a we've been married quite a while. I think you know, my wife and I. <laughs> You <laughs> know well, she said: two long, two and a half long years. Um, you know, but I, I think you know we've accomplished something in, in in two and a half years of marriage, of marital bliss. Uh, and then I look out in the audience and I realize that some of you all have been married longer uh, than I've been alive. Uh, and I'm <laughs> I won't I won't uh, share my age, uh, but I am quite young. Um, but but so we we've been married. But I I, I remember. Uh, I remember that day I proposed to her. I remember it. Uh, fellas, do you remember that day you proposed to your bride? You got down on your knee. I'd do it again, you know. <laughs> and you asked for her hand in marriage. You asked for her hand in marriage. Well, I did that two and a half years ago. And before I got ready to do that, uh, I, had a, I had an elder uh, in, the, in, a, in a church that I was attending. And he said, if you're going to get married then you ought to start saving for your wife's ring now. And I was in high school at the time I was a freshman. He said, you ought to start saving for your wife's ring right now. And I said, what do you mean? I got a long way to go, you know, before I even got to get a girlfriend first, you know. <laughs> I'm just glad I, I dressed myself today in my clothes match, you know. <laughs> what are we talking about here? And he said, he said if you're going to get a wife, if you, wanna, if you want a wife, then you want to start saving for your, for, your, for your wife's ring now. He said, because it's an investment. It's a small gift. It's a small gift, but it will change her life forever. It will change her life forever. That day, uh, she, she'll, never, she'll no longer be uh, Megan uh, Maccabee. When you marry her, she'll be Megan McElrath forever. And that ring is a symbol of that change, of that union, of that glorious, that glorious union that Christ made possible in the, in the sacrament of marriage. And so life goes on, and I meet this cute little blonde and all that, you know, and uh, I'm like, hey. <laughs> um, and, and so it comes time for us to get married, and we call up a random Anglican church because we weren't Anglican at the time, and uh, we had just become Anglican, and Martha answers the phone, you know, and, hey, can we get married at your church? Well, sure. So we come, and the bishop is here, and he's presiding over everything, and, and, and this time when I give her her ring, it's not just the engagement ring, but when I give her her wedding band, what what, the, what, my, what that elder told me back at that church a long time ago really clicked for me. That ring will change her life, has changed her life forever. She could no longer go back to being Megan Maccabee. From that day forward, she was all, she will always be Megan McElrath, That, that ring will be a sign of our covenant, of our union, of our bond. She will no longer be Miss, but now she's become a Mrs. Powerful change, a powerful change. Something so small, but yet so valuable. Something so small, yet so costly. Something so small, but yet so mighty. Well, that's exactly... What's going on in our text today? If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know we've been working through uh, Matthew's gospel, the 13th chapter. We've kind of started a little mini-series, if you will. In the first part of the series, we looked at, uh, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. And and in the first part of the series, we've been talking about personal relationships and what that looks like. Last Sunday, we talked about uh, how that looks like corporately and what we look like in engaging with the world. Uh, and this Sunday, I want to talk about what the power of the kingdom of God. The first Sunday I was here, we, we talked about uh, how how the seed is, is planted into our hearts, planted into good soil. And because it's planted into good soil, it takes root and it grows. The Scriptures tells us it'll grow 30, 60, and 100-fold, producing fruit, the peaceable fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the Spirit, where we become more and more Like Jesus Christ. Last Sunday we talked about uh, interpersonal relationships and how that how that impacts and what is our job in the world? We're to evangelize, but how do we do that? Not through judgment. If you were here last Sunday, you you may remember. Not through judgment. Jesus does that. We model uh, the disciple. We model that we are. We do in fact belong to Jesus Christ by our love. By our love. Our story last uh, Sunday talked about. How the weed and the tares were bound together. and reminds us that Jesus calls us to be in the world but not of the world. We're in this thing together and nobody is getting out of this thing alive. And We have to remember that we have no heaven or hell to put someone else in. And so we ought not get too haughty and look down our spiritual noses at people. Telling them that they should just get their life together. If they were just more like us, if they would just do this, if they would just go to church and they would tithe so much and they, they would do so much for the community That's not our job to be judges. The scriptures tells us that that's what the angels will do when 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 the son of man comes. When Jesus returns, the angel, Christ will instruct his angels to sort out those who are the sons of God and those who are of this world. Scriptures tells us that those who are of this world will be gathered and into the fire and burned. But those who are uh, the sons of righteousness will shine in the sun, will bask in the sun. And I know the scriptures say S-U-N, but I think on that great day we'll bask in the sun, S-O-N. When he comes back, we'll all be changed. We'll be made like him and we shall see our Lord face to face. The power of the kingdom of God is a changed life, is a changed life. And now we get to this Sunday we get to this Sunday, and we, talk, we, we see all these parables. Jesus is telling all these stories, and, and, and surely he likes to tell stories, right? He's always telling stories to the Pharisees or to his disciples, and he's trying to get them to understand things. We start off with the parable, and he, talks about, he starts talking about a mustard seed. And I don't know a whole lot, but I thought maybe Jesus could be referring uh, to what he's going to be talking about later. Uh, if you just had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you'd be able to move mountains. And so maybe I thought that, you know, maybe Christ was speaking of of the faith in us and that we ought not to judge people because although the seed, the mustard seed is a small thing, when it's full grown, when it comes to maturity, it is the largest of the shrubs, 12 feet, in fact. So I wouldn't call that a shrub. I'd call that a tree, (laughs) 12 feet high. And the scriptures say that the birds of all kinds come and lay their uh, nest in its branches. So we ought not to judge people who, whose faith looks smaller than ours because it could, they could grow up, if watered, if nurtured correctly, they could grow up and become that mighty tree. You never know. There might be a St. Teresa in here. There might be uh, 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 the next Archbishop of Canterbury. There might be in this room uh, the next primate of the Anglican Communion. There might be another priest in this room. You never know who you're sitting next to. And so uh, don't judge them because... Their seed, if watered correctly, might grow up and be something mighty, could grow up and turn into something awesome. The Bible says one plants, one waters, but it's God who does the increasing. So we ought not to judge people for that. And then I looked at the pearl and I said, well, our faith might be precious. And so this pearl is is, is very precious. And so we ought to hold on to it tightly because we found our faith. We've given our lives to Christ, and, and, and it's become valuable. And then I thought maybe he could be talking in the parable of the, uh, of the leaven. Uh, the faith that we have is powerful. And even just a little bit of faith that we have is powerful enough, like I said, to move uh, the mountains. Have faith the size of a mountain, mustard seed, you could move the mountains. And so I thought maybe if we put our faith together, Lord, uh, and, we, and we, we believed God to do certain things in our lives, they would happen. And then I got to the parable of the of the fish and everything was making right. And it was all about me and I was good. And then I didn't really I I was like trying to understand this. Like, am I the net? Am I the fish? How how could I how could I I couldn't really wrap my mind around this? And then I realized I was like the disciples. I was like the disciples. You see, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom of God and the disciples this whole time had been thinking they're talking about him. They think that Jesus is telling them a story and that they plug themselves into this story as if Jesus is just telling them how great they are, how strong their faith is, how valuable their faith is, and all of this wonderful stuff. And I fell into that trap, reading the scriptures and and thinking that the scriptures were talking about me and revealing about how good I was and about how, how awesome I am as a person and how strong my faith is. But I realized the scriptures aren't about that at all. The scriptures aren't about me, they're not about, they're not about you, they're not about how great we are now that we've found Christ, we made a decision for Christ, and now we're some superheroes, some 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 superhuman. That's not what the scriptures are about. The scriptures are about him. He's telling these parables so that they might see and understand him. The wise. These things are hidden from the wise, it says. But to, the, to those who have faith of babes, these things have been revealed. And so I wonder if we look through the lens of Scripture, through the lens of faith, through the lens of Jesus Christ, how we might interpret these Scriptures. Maybe it is, the, it is not, not our faith or, or the faith of someone else in this room that can grow up to the size of a mustard seed. But maybe it is Jesus Christ himself maybe he is trying to get them to understand that it is him that was planted into the world jesus tells the parable unless a seed falls to a ground to the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies it bears much fruit what if instead of our faith what if it was jesus and it was his blood that hit the basin of the earth that was planted into the world And because of that drop of blood, it brought forth a tree of life, a tree of salvation for all. And all who believe in the name of Jesus Christ come and rest in his branches. Come and rest in his arms. They find rest for their souls. What if that was the story he was trying to convey? What if the pearl uh, uh, was was not about us and our faith? What if he is that pearl of great price? What if he's that pearl of great price that's worthy to be so, to be, to, for, for everything to be abandoned and for us to lay hold and grab onto this? And so all that we have, because we found something of such great value, indeed, we have found the most valuable thing in life, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who is himself eternal life. Who is himself eternal life? He didn't say, I'm kind of like eternal life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is that pearl of great price. In fact, he tells his disciples the very same thing that we see with the, with the, in the parable of the pearl and the parable of the treasure. He says, Come and follow me. Abandon all. Forsake your mother, your father, all that. Leave that behind. And come and follow me. And the disciples go on this three-year journey. And they're discovering that he is, in fact, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ. He is who that, that who the prophets were talking about. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is all of that. And because they found him, not only do they love him, but they've given up everything for him. He is the net. That's why I didn't fit, because I'm, I, I can't be the net. I, I can't collect fish. I, I, I tried. My papa has been trying to get me to fish for a while now, and I, I have to confess that I have not become much better at fishing. But Jesus says to his disciples, I will make you fishers of men. And maybe the net could be the preaching of the gospel. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. And everyone, after they hear the gospel, after they come to faith in the name of Jesus Christ, everyone, every kindred, every tribe are gathered up together, caught up. And Jesus, then the angels, at the last day, is sorted all out. The angels do their job. They have their role to play. They're sorting everything out. Jesus is the net. So what's our role? What's our role in all of this? Simply to make room for the kingdom of God in our lives. To hold on to Jesus Christ. To believe it. To allow the word of God to grow in our lives. To admit that we've been connected, caught up in all of this together, working together with the world, called to evangelize by our love. People who look like us, people who don't look like us, people who vote one way, and people who vote another. Jesus Christ is the answer, is the solution to all of this. Do we believe that? Do we believe that this morning? If we do, that, that should some, produce some power in us. And it should change not only the way we live our lives, but it should change the world. The gospel, the faith that we have, it's small. It's small. You, 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 really, you really can't grasp it. It's got to be caught. It's got to be caught. You really can't lay your hands on it. You, you can't say faith is over there or faith is over there or the church is just this building or the church is th- that group of people over there. The faith of Jesus Christ is small. It's precious. It's like that ring that I gave my wife two and a half years ago. It'll change your life. You'll never be the same, bound together, caught up with Jesus Christ. Friends, at the end of the age, there's going to be a wedding. I don't know if you know this, but we're living for a wedding. And the invitations have gone out. The clarion call has been made. The invitations have gone out from glory. Christ is coming back to get his church, to get his bride. To get his bride and on the cross, Christ made the greatest proposal of all. He laid down his life in love, humbled himself much like some of us men did, got down on a knee, humbled himself, wrapped himself in flesh, God in the flesh, felt our our our, our worries and our troubles and everything that we were going through, became like us so that we could become Like him. And on that great day, when his angels come in glory and we we see the Son of God for the first time face to face, he is coming back for a bride that's spotless, without blemish, without wrinkle. There's going to be a wedding. Jesus is coming back, and we ought to get ready. We have got something so precious, so valuable. We need to hold on to it, but not be selfish with it, not be selfish with it. It was a free gift. Freely we received, and so freely we ought to give. We hold on. We value the pearl. We value the gospel. We value the faith. And yet we're called to give it away, to join Christ in the casting of the net so that more people would come into the reach of his saving embrace. We're to join Christ in the ministry of reconciliation. I know I say that over and over and over again. And I pray I say it until Jesus comes back and gets me. We are to join Christ in the ministry of reconciliation. That's our goal. That's our mission. When we come to the altar and we receive Christ. That high price. That valuable thing. We receive the Christ in the blessed sacrament of the altar. We experience the presence of Christ. And we take him into our bodies. It's a valuable thing. But it ought to motivate us to go out and tell others about it. It ought to motivate us to tell others what we have found, what we have found in him. For indeed, our souls have found a resting place, and he has made us glad. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.